Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Today I'm doing the second week of Jesus is a Feminist and as a woman I feel like it's been an important week of research for me, just looking how women were treated in the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament and then how Jesus kind of changed the culture. So I'm going to take us on a journey um, from old to new and then to present day and then we will be focusing on uh, John chapter 11 when I get there. So. Firstly, feminism is about equality, that women should be equal to men. And when I was studying, I was looking at um, women in the Old Testament and how they were a part of the community in complete contradiction to what we find in the New Testament. So for example, um, women were involved in the marketplace, so they were working, they were buying and selling. We see um, the Proverbs 31 women who's reigned highly, um, that she's buying land and she's selling things. We see Ruth gleaning in the fields. In the temple, when it came to worship, women were playing music in the sanctuary. They were praying there. We see Hannah when she goes to the temple and she's weeping and crying in the temple. They sang and danced with men in religious processions and they were active at weddings. And then when the law came, when the Mosaic Covenant was presented, women were there, they were expected to be there. When Joshua read the Torah to Israel, women were there. Their presence was required for public reading of scriptures. Um, And we see them, some of them having leadership roles. Miriam led the women of Israel in worship. Deborah was a judge and a prophetess. And so there's certain scriptures that I think are really important. In Genesis 21, verse 12, we read that God tells Abraham to listen to his wife. That's an important scripture that you should all write down. (laughs) Men, very important. Um, Proverbs 18, 22 tells us, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Um, Proverbs 19, 14 says that an intelligent wife is a gift from God. And in Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman, like we're important. So then when we get to the New Testament, why is it so unusual for Jesus to be talking to women? Why are people um, like looking at him like he's crazy because he speaks to the women at Samaria? He allows women to come to him. There's nothing in the law that prevents men and women from conversing with one another. Yet in that day, things had changed. So what changes do we have? Women were not allowed to study scripture. Um, one quote, there's a lot of quotes from rabbis in this because I think it paints a good picture. So one first century rabbi says, rather should the words of the Torah be burned than entrusted to a woman. Just burn it. Like, don't give it to no women. They didn't teach women to read. They didn't expect them to take the knowledge of the word of God. You are not allowed to have it. They weren't allowed to say grace. They weren't allowed to recite the morning prayer. They were separated from men in private life, public and religious life. They were allowed to go to the temple, but they had their own section, the women's court, and it was like five steps lower than the men's court, so they were, they were separated. But when we look at the descriptions of Solomon's temple in the Bible, there's no women's court. So they've created a women's court. Um, they're not allowed to participate in public prayer in the temple, although they, 
they can pray at home because no one's there, so that's okay. Um, they're expected to say in the house, like for everything. Um, the terminology for a prostitute at the time was one that goes abroad. So if you left your house, that means you're up to no good, obviously. So you need to stay indoors, look after the children, be under your, your husband, you know, and tend to the house, and that's it. And men, they didn't speak to women. Like, what's the point? They ain't got no knowledge, no wisdom, nothing to contribute to society. You don't even know law. I can't have a proper conversation with you. Why am I talking to you? A rabbi regarded it as beneath his dignity to speak to a woman in public. Like, don't talk to me, fam. I don't. <laughs> We're obviously not on the same level, so don't talk to me. And then the attitude that rabbis had towards women are just, they're just terrible. Um, they're just really horrible, so I'm just going to let you guys into that. We have quotes like, it is well for those whose children are male, but it's ill for those children who are female. At the birth of a boy, all are joyful. At the birth of a girl, all are sad. Wow. There's a prayer that Jewish men used to pray that says, thank you, God, that you didn't make me a woman. Like, they, yeah. When a, when a boy comes into the world, peace comes into the world. When a girl comes, nothing comes. <laughs> nothing. Even the most, okay, this one. Even the most virtuous of women is a witch. The most virtuous, you know. Like, there's no hope for any of you. Um, our teachers have said there are four qualities evident in women. They are greedy at their foods, they are eager to gossip, they are lazy, and they are jealous. Any positives there? No, none. Um, so this is the situation of women at the time of Christ. And they are covered from head to toe, and they're isolated from people, they're shut up in their houses. They have their own communities, like, as women, but that's about it. So there's definitely a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So why has this changed? Like, what's happened in society for all of a sudden women to be regarded as nothing? You are born and no one cares. Nothing happens in the world. Um, a lot of scholars think that it's because of the Greek influence at that time that um, basically the Jews allowed the society of the Greeks and their views of women to infiltrate their own views and they just took them on and it just became culture but Jesus is different right from the beginning as we look through through his life there's nowhere that he is telling women don't come near to me don't talk to me I ain't got time for you why are you here he talks to the woman at Samaria like he talks to her first right so he offers teaching to women healing, forgiveness, and there are women who follow Jesus actively as his disciples. So in um, Luke 8 verse 1, it talks about the 12, and then it talks about the disciples, and among them were women, especially Mary Magdalene, who he um, delivered from seven demons, and other women, and then it, it talks about them ministering to their needs out of their own pockets. So women were actually progressing the gospel in the time of Christ. But imagine for you to be that revolutionary as a woman that you're going to go against everything that society tells you you should do and say actually I'm going on road to follow Jesus you're not in the place you're supposed to be which is your house you're actively talking with men you are going above your station because you think you've got wisdom and you want to learn um, so you're almost isolating yourself from your people by following Jesus so 
we see as well that Jesus's um, relationships with women are positive, which we'll look at in a second. The first proclaimer of Jesus to the Jewish people was a woman, um, Anna, in the temple. A woman washed his feet, anointed him for burial. It was women who were with him at the cross at the end when all the disciples decided to like duck out and they couldn't take it. <laughs> women were there crying. Women came to the tomb. It was women that proclaimed his resurrection. Like women are interlinked in all parts of the ministry of of Jesus. So we're focusing on John chapter 11. And this is the story uh, where Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus dies. Um, it's a long scripture, which I'm sure you can read in your own time. So I'm going to be paraphrasing quite a bit. Um, I'm focusing on particular parts of the scripture. So at the beginning in verse one, it tells us that Lazarus is ill. Um, and Mary and Martha send to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So they had access. They sent words to Jesus, like, can you come please because my brother's sick. That already shows the relationship that they have with him, where they feel like they can just, wherever he is, I don't care what you're doing, can you come please? Because the one that you love is sick. And it says in verse five that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So they already had a connection. They already had a relationship. We learned last week about when Jesus comes to their house and Martha is busy in the kitchen and Mary is at the feet of Jesus that he used to come to their house often so they have they have a relationship so they send for Jesus because their brother's ill and Jesus says because I love you I'm going to wait two days before I come which sounds completely horrendous like come now please but he waits he waits until Lazarus passes away because he wants to show them something greater than what they have seen before Jesus has been healing people all throughout his ministry. And this is the last big miracle before he himself dies. And so he's up in the stakes. It isn't just like when he raised um, Jairus' daughter and she was lying upstairs asleep and she just died and he resurrects her. Then there's the widow's son who had just died maybe a couple hours. He raises him as well but here we have a man who's been dead four days so if you didn't believe the other ones you're definitely going to believe this one because it wasn't just oh we didn't know if he was really dead he could have been in a coma and we just woke him up no four days like a lot has happened so Jesus decides to go to Jerusalem um we'll go to Bethany and his disciples are saying why are we going there you know people are looking to kill you um, but he's going for a purpose. And it says in verse 20 that when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. She left the house, which is where she's supposed to be, and she ran out to meet Jesus. So even that in itself shows that they're going against the customs and the, and the time. Not only do um, men not speak to women, women don't approach men. Like you're not allowed to, to speak first. But she's left where she's going to go and talk to Jesus and then she almost um, accuses him like she's very plain with, with what she says if he had been here my brother wouldn't have died like you're late basically you've come now but it's late when I told you he was still sick and there was still time for you to come and heal him but you know you, you waited too long and he's dead now 
that's a, a quite a frank conversation to have with the King of Kings, okay? Um, so she, he, she's speaking openly with him. They're speaking openly together. But she still has faith. She says, even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. And then Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So that's about Lazarus, right? Though he dies, yet shall he live. And then for her, he says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she says to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. So in this dialogue, what do we realize about Martha? She's got some sound theology, like she understands who she's talking to. She understands the Lordship of Christ. She understands he's the Messiah, that he uh, possesses the nature of God. He's the son of God. She understands that he came from heaven into the world. Incarnation. She understands that he submitted himself to the will of the father. Like she is not just the woman that was busy in the kitchen. Like she has learned about who Jesus is. And where else do we hear, um, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God. When um, Jesus speaks to Peter and his disciples and he says, who do men say that I am? And then Peter says, you are Christ, the son of God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. So this is a massive thing to know that Jesus is the son of God. Like people are following him for different reasons. Um, he was doing miracles, he was feeding people. Um, he was the talk of the town, but not everybody had the revelation of who he really was. And Martha has this. She's a woman, but she's not just a woman because she understands. Um, what does Jesus say to her? She, he says, I am. And this is the name of God. I am. I am that I am. In John, there's seven I ams, and this is the fifth one. I am the resurrection and the life. And it's the only time in scripture that Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And who does he say it to? A woman. That's important. Um, he's giving her this massive revelation about who he is and she receives it. She believes in it. She's accepted it. And um, she has faith. So then after this dialogue, um, Martha goes to get her sister, Mary, and says, the teacher is here, he's asking for you. And Jesus uh, is in the same place where Martha left him. So Mary leaves as well to go and meet Jesus. And the Jews that are with her, because at the time of like a death and a funeral, there's the, the whole community comes out in mourning with you. And you, you pay people to be professional mourners that will cry the loudest because you want to make sure that people know that your brother was loved. So in case he didn't have enough friends, you pay people to come and cry. Like, this is a big loss. So all these people are, you know, consoling her and crying with her. And she gets up to leave and they think she's going to cry at his grave. So they're like, oh, we've all got to go, you know, like, this is what we do. So they go with her, but she goes to meet Jesus. And she repeats the same thing that Martha says. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she's weeping and the people are weeping. And there's like a lot of wailing going on. And it says when Jesus saw her weeping, he's moved in himself and his spirit is troubled. 
And he says, where have you laid him? They say, come and see. And then Jesus wept. And that verse is really short, right? Jesus wept. Two words. But it means so much because Jesus knew that Lazarus had died before he left to come to Bethany. It doesn't say he cried at that point. It doesn't say he cried um, when he speaks to Martha. He's, like, touched and moved by Mary's humanity and her emotions and her grief and all the grief that's happening. Even though he knows what he's about to do, from before he says, Lazarus needs to die so you can see the glory of God. But he's still moved by this, and it shows that, you know, a lot of the the gods um, are apathetic, like they don't have emotions. You know, the people who create these gods, they're very, um, like, numb to pain and stuff. But we know that Jesus is God, and at the same time, he's feeling. And a lot of the time, women are, are told that we're too emotional, right? Like, emotions are a bad thing. But Jesus has them too. You know, emotions is not just, it's not just for women. <clears throat> like, men can cry <laughs> and grieve and be vulnerable. And so in the very nature of what makes you a woman, you can connect with God on that level. Just because he's a man doesn't mean he doesn't get it. He created you. He gets it. So they get to the grave and um, Lazarus is in the tomb. There's a massive stone. And he says, move the stone. And Martha's like, God, are you sure? Um, he's dead, but he's like, he's really, really dead. Like, this is four days. And I was looking at what happens to the body after four days. It's not good. Like, there's, there's no way to revive somebody. The, the body is already in decomposed moans, bacteria, maggots. It's eating itself, basically, at this point. And he says, no, I'm, I'm here for it. Like, move the stone. Um, and he says to her... Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And this is about her faith that she's already declared earlier, that she believes, Mary believes, and now he's saying, because of the faith that you have, you're about to see my glory. And so we know what happens. He calls Lazarus. Lazarus comes out of the tomb, bound, wrapped up, and he's alive. Um, so what do we learn about Jesus, what do we learn about faith from this scripture is that being a woman doesn't discount you from the kingdom there's no excuse to not be a study of scripture, there's no excuse to not do what God has called you to do and be in a place of ministering and teaching and um, actively working for the kingdom because women did it and they did it in a time when it was not acceptable and it was not supposed to be that way and thankfully, we're not in a, in a place where we don't know how to read and write and people are saying to us, we should burn the Bible before reading it to you because I don't think you can handle it. Um, you're not really ready for this. We're not in that time anymore. Like, we've come a long way. I'm not saying society is perfect because we know that it's not. There's a lot of times where you feel as a woman that you're dismissed, that your opinion's not heard. I've sat in countless meetings with men and said something and nobody hears it and then someone repeats exactly what I said and all of a sudden it's the best thing ever so we know that there's there's spaces that we can be in where you still feel inferior you still feel like people are not taking you seriously and um, that people almost expect you to fail at things and see you as weaker but we learn from Jesus that Jesus isn't seeing you like that he's willing to give you 
like he gives Martha the biggest revelation of the gospel. What is salvation without the resurrection? If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, what do we have? A nice story. So he is willing to, to impart to you like the, the massive um, revelation of who he is. And that comes out of relationship. It comes out of intimacy. It comes in a place where you know who he is. Martha knew exactly who he was. She could tell him, this is who I know you to be. And for us, it shows us that we have access. We have even greater access because we have access to heaven and we have spirit living in us. So we shouldn't allow society or even the way we've been raised. You might have been raised in a household where you were second best and your brother got all the love and attention because your parents were like, well, when a boy comes into the world, there is joy. <laughs> and when a girl comes in, there's nothing. So sorry. But you don't have to, to live in that truth. That doesn't have to be your truth. You don't have to accept it. You're allowed to break out and be free in the reality that in the kingdom, there's, no, there's neither male or female, right? You're, you're accepted and you are just as treasured and valued by God. So God was challenging me this week that do you believe after the death of something something in you that has died a dream an idea something you wanted there's a lot of times where I come to God occasionally like Lord if you had been here when I called you yeah this wouldn't have happened I understand that his timing is perfect but in the in the midst of grief you're just like, couldn't you have come two days ago, please? Why, why, why? Why are we here? Why am I grieving? Why am I mourning? And Jesus is saying, if you believe, you will see my glory. Faith is massive, you know, and we want to increase it. We want to believe that God is able. And there are, there are things that um, we've kind of don't want to roll the stone away from because we're like we can't it can't be revived like it's it's dead it stinks i don't even want to go in there and see what's in there because it's horrible and god is saying i can revive it i can resurrect it i can make it whole i can restore it i can make it new and i think what we need to remember not just as women as people that um god is able to do those things He's able to, to show you his glory in ways that don't make sense. Raising someone from the dead in four days doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And I think we need to be in a place where we're in God's presence and that we are open and honest with him and we, we feel the freedom to say, Lord, if you hadn't been here, like let out your emotions. We feel the freedom to weep and cry and mourn and release all of that and then wait and still have faith to believe that he's able to do it. So, that's pretty much all I have to say today, guys. Um, I think that was really, really cool. I want to kind of just tag on from the end of what uh, Jamini was saying there. I think the really, really key thing that that, that, that story is about is literally resurrection, like she just said. And I think that we need to learn to not just allow things to die, not just to allow opportunities to die, just because it seems like it's dead, it's not dead. Um, who says it's over and sometimes we really do need to see things die in front of our eyes that we can believe God for what he says in the future and I specifically care about that for this week in the series is because when we talk about Jesus as a feminist 
and I think Jimmy they made an incredible case laying out everything from a long way back <laughs> and then bringing us to the passage and to the overall message which was absolutely brilliant I think we have to learn um, I think men included men need to speak alongside women life opportunities not allow the situations we see around us to, to be that way but for I want like Often in church, and not just in church, but in society, it's always on the, upon the victim to change things. Um, the great thing about this scenario is, is the, vi- the victim's empowered with the faith to bring things back to l- from the dead. You know what I mean? It's a different scenario. And I, I want to encourage every single one of us that with the scenarios that have happened in our lives, the scenarios we may be going through, we may find ourselves in, to just start trusting him, to start believing him. And you don't have to do it in isolation. And the great thing about this story is Jesus is there. And of course, trust with Jesus and whatever. But if you've got a friend who's going through faith with you in Christianity, stay, stand together and, and speak stuff together. Because you know what? There's going to be a day when you're just too, you can't get the words out. Like we've, we've had friends in the last couple of weeks who can't get the words out on the phone. <laughs> it's like um, Ron Burgundy. I'm in a glass case. I'm in my ocean. The words can't come out. And you, you stand with them. And I want to encourage every single one of us not to let go of what's in front of us this week. And I want to encourage men to be visible because this isn't something from way back when. This is here and now. It happens in the workplace. It happens in every part of society. You may have a family member who has a baby girl that's born into the world or a friend soon. And you've just got to go, hey, isn't this awesome? Come on. Yeah. Because someone might not be doing that. And there's a child that needs that. And there's a child that needs that. And there's a world that needs that. I'm going to pray for us today. And then that'll be it for this week. Father, I thank you for resurrection. I thank you that just when we think everything's gone and just when we're really willing to spend our hard-earned cash on throwing a party for everyone to mourn at who doesn't really care and, and do all that kind of stuff, you are there ready to bring everything back again, that you're ready to bring it back even when it stinks, even when it's rotting. It's not just dead, it's rotting, it's disgusting, it's foul. And in the midst of that, you speak life and you bring it back. I pray for every single person here today, Lord, that has their own circumstance, their own agenda, their own story in their life where it feels like things are dying and I pray for those who are here today where life is just swell right now uh, because there will be a day when they're facing and staring death in the face I, I speak your resurrection I speak your life and I pray that we would not do this journey alone but we would do this together in our friendship circles with our friends believe and trust you and see what you bring back to life in Jesus name amen really hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about City Hill please visit our website cityhill.london